Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, yeah. this is the Rich Eisen Show. Goats have home lives, too. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Rich Eisen. Hello, Rich Eisen. Rich Eisen. Oh, that's Susie Eisen Hudson. <laughs> <laughs> the Rich Eisen Show. And now, sitting in for Rich, here's Brian Weber. Powering in to the final hour of the program. You can hop aboard at 1-844-204-RICH. 1-844-204-7424. Candidly, Twitter's your best bet because we move quickly whenever I'm in the chair. And always an honor to sit in for Rich and the rest of the guys. Remember, not only do I have to measure up to one of the most talented studio hosts and radio personalities in our business... Rich has a conversational approach because he's assembled a great team. So how do I be as clever as Chris Brockman, as loud? I can do that as my guy, Del Tufo. How do I match the unique perspective of TJ Jefferson? A lot of pressure on a fill-in host doing my best not to destroy the program. So I'll give out the phone number. We'll decide if it's the right business decision to put you in the rotation. And I am merely going to be the appetizer for a story that I know Rich and the fellas are going to dig deep into tomorrow when they come back from the long weekend. And we'll get there in 20 minutes after we'll tip off the final hour of the program with much more NBA Finals analysis. Celtics did their best to give away, and I'm not taking anything away from the heat with that 11-0 run. In the final minutes, Jimmy Butler with a look at a 3-4. The lead, potentially the win in the closing seconds. Boston hung on 196 to advance to the NBA Finals. Boston went away defensively down the stretch. We'll talk about that coming up, getting you set for Game 1 between the Celtics and the Warriors coming up Thursday in San Francisco. And we'll jump in the hot tub time machine and think about What could have happened, not only for the Warriors, but for Kevin Durant? Had he not decided on a different holiday, July 4th, a few years ago, to come to Golden State and then decided after those runs to the finals and a couple championships and then the Achilles injury, if he decided to stay. We're going to go through a little revisionist history coming up. That's in five minutes. But I'm forward promoting for a reason. In 20 minutes, the details of the best reason for a baseball, I keep saying the word kerfuffle because I like the word and I'm looking for the right summation. 
a baseball incident prior to the game between the Reds and the Giants. Afterwards, we found out it was all about fantasy football. Yes, you don't mess with a person's ability to work the waiver wire. Apparently, that was part of the reason Tommy Pham impersonated Will Smith. You can watch the video on your own time. I'm sure the outstanding production team on the simulcast on Peacock will slow it down frame by frame. The old Dave Chappelle bit with Rick James with the open hand to Charlie Murphy. What the five fingers say to your cheek, slap, words to that effect. Fam just flat out hit Jock Peterson out of nowhere in the outfield. We found out after the game this was all about fantasy football from a few years ago when the Dodgers were in the World Series. And as the kids say, because we're talking about youngsters, because I'm 52, my life is over. As the kids say, Peterson had the receipts. That's coming up in less than 20 minutes. So the dominant through line for the program, I do have a blueprint when I come in. Not going to script anything. It's too bad we're not on the simulcast because I'm so energized to be here. I'm standing for the first time in a long time. I'm like a morning zookeeper waiting to do some wacky phone calls. I could use the help of our final guest. who's going to join us in 40 minutes. We'll talk baseball with Scott Miller. You hear him on Sirius XM Radio. You read his fine work contributing to the New York Times. And we'll put into perspective all of the big developments around baseball, even if you only parachute in from time to time. We know that baseball now is a regional sport and a content provider. You got 162 games. That's 162 episodes to sell commercials around, irrespective of the platform. I mentioned Peacock. I was watching the early game, quote-unquote, from the West Coast perspective. I enjoy that Sunday game. Now it's a little bit early, starting at 8.30 local time here on the West Coast, but it feels like the old game of the week on NBC, would say Bob Costas and Tony Kubek as the B team on the network. We'll get into what's going on with the Yankees and should we be concerned about their injuries when we chat with Scotty Miller of the New York Times. But I have spent the majority of the program, and hopefully justifiably so, with our takeaways from what happened last night in Miami. We all have recency bias, and to be totally open with you, because I found the majority of that game virtually unwatchable other than the end. And yeah, dust off the old bromide about, hey, you only want to watch the last two minutes of an NBA game, you'll be fine. But there was virtually nothing to indicate Miami was going to erupt for that comeback. The 11-0 run in the midst of it, you had fellas like Max Struess knocking down impossible shots. And it all came down to a two-point deficit with less than a minute to go. Jimmy Butler skies for the rebound, carrying this team once more, coming off the magnificent 47-point performance in Game 6 on the road in Boston to keep the Heat alive. Butler was the only reason why the Heat had a shot after a very sluggish start. He had 24 in the first half last night, finished with 35. So let's just do that math. 47 plus 35, I saw the stat on SportsCenter, puts him top three all-time for the most prolific outputs in a game six and seven in the postseason in NBA history. Still, 
It wasn't enough because Butler, after he took that rebound and took it the other way, was open for three, went for the three, in motion, pull-up three, and wasn't close. Hit the front of the rim. That was the game. So we posed the question to our only two guests so far. Our number one, joined by Eric Pincus of Bleacher Report. Last hour of the show featured a conversation with Kurt Heelan, lead NBA writer for NBCSports.com. I asked them both not about the outcome, but when they were watching last night, what did they think when the ball left Jimmy Butler's hand to go for three, the lead and maybe the win, as opposed to what we used to call the higher percentage shot to take it to the lane and just go for a traditional hoop to tie up the game. And both of them said they have no issues with Butler taking that shot, nor do I. Now, I know you could push back with the analytics or just the old counting numbers that Jimmy Butler is not a proficient three-point shooter. However, let's remind you, he was dealing with a knee injury, less than 100%. He had played every second of the game again. And I think Jimmy Butler was keenly aware of, not only of his own physical limitations, he did not want to have to try to endure overtime, but also his supporting cast. If that game had gone to OT, the momentum dissolves. You got a longer break. Did you notice they sell a few commercials in the midst of an NBA playoff game? My goodness, and I exist because of the commercials. I am not delusional. One of my early bosses in media said, kid, your job is merely, I think he's used stronger words. I'll clean it up so we stay on the air. Your job is only to talk so I can play commercials. And that really felt like an endorsement of my career choice. But longer break, going overtime, and then Boston would have found a way because Boston undeniably is the deeper team. I thought they were clearly the better team, especially when they were up 15. But as we discussed with Kurt Heelan from NBC Sports in the last hour, Boston now has created an issue that's going to be something that could decide the NBA Finals and inability to close things out. Primarily, not showing up at home in a closeout situation in Game 6 at the Garden. And look, it would have taken an extraordinary performance just to negate Butler's 47 points. Still, when you have a chance to close things out, get additional rest heading into the NBA Finals, you have to seize that chance, and then last night they almost gave the game away. So I think there are further questions about Boston as a closing unit. Coffee is for closers. Put the coffee down. ABC, always be closing. But if we're going to take a step back and offer fair analysis, while I concur with the view from Las Vegas, Warriors favorites, they should be. If it comes down to something as fundamental as home court advantage, if there is a Game 7, and remember these games are spaced out. If we're talking Game 6 and 7, we're talking two weeks from now. But if it all comes down to a Game 7, as was the case the last time the Celtics made it to the NBA Finals, that was a dozen years ago. That's a lifetime in modern pro sports. They lost that Game 7 on the road in L.A. when Ron Artest came through in a magnificent way. And the Lakers were able to beat their longtime rivals the last time Boston was able to make it to the championship round. Boston, I think, has superior depth, but the Warriors are not the big three anymore. I don't want to be that narrow-minded. And since I've been reading my resume, I've been a Warrior honk for a very long time. Had a peripheral attachment to the organization when they were 
abysmal. 93 to 2002. 93 the last good year. Tim Hardaway went down with a knee injury. You saw the emergence of Latrell Sprewell, and then Sprewell and the coach, P.J. Carlissimo, had a slight difference of opinion. That was after Don Nelson and Chris Webber could not get along, and the franchise became the L.A. Clippers of Northern California. So I'm trying to be dispassionate. I'm trying to put my heart aside because I'm a warrior hunk. I got warrior memorabilia going back to the hard hats won by Mr. Mean, Larry Smith. Boston plays more to that style, if you even get the reference, which was rebounding and defense. And if we're going to hand out kudos, I'm inclined to give a big chunk of the credit, and I'm Brian Weber, in for Rich Eisen, Memorial Day edition of the Rich Eisen Show. Conversation never stops on Twitter. That's B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. In 30 minutes, we take you round the bases talking baseball with Scott Miller of the New York Times. If we're doling out acknowledgement and kudos, I think you got to start with the head coach of Boston. And it's a name you probably remember from his playing days because it's a unique name and because he played for a variety of teams. But Ime Udoga, highly respected in coaching circles, got the opportunity. And from all the reports I've read and listening to NBA insiders connected to the team like Chris Maddox of Sports Illustrated, who also does work for the Celtic broadcast on the regional sports network in New England. It took a while for Ime to put his imprint on this team, but if you're looking for the factors that led to that remarkable turnaround, remember, heading into the new year, if you only pay attention to the NBA, say, Christmas on, well, the topic of conversation around the holidays was, what's wrong with the Celtics? Is it time to blow this team up? Can Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown truly coexist? And then everything changed. 28-7 down the stretch. Best record in all of basketball heading into the postseason. And a lot of that came down to the buy-in defensively of the team that plays the best D in the NBA with Marcus Smart leading the way. Just won the Defensive Player of the Year honors. And it's Boston's depth in addition to the talent of Tatum making his case to be certainly a top 10 player. He was first team all NBA regular season, but it's not just the usual suspects. It's the pickup of Al Forford shining in his second stint in Boston. Derek White, huge in game six, a couple key buckets last night. Anybody with the last name of Williams, Grant Williams, or most notably Robert Williams when healthy on defense, Boston can wear you down still. I'll hinge my analysis on a couple key elements. First, playoff experience. Rarely do you see a team bolt to the NBA Finals and win it all. Milwaukee was a slow build, and yes, they won it in their first appearance in the Finals since Kareem was patrolling the paint in Milwaukee an eon ago. But that was part of Phoenix getting tight, too. Blowing that 2-0 series lead. And remember, Giannis was superhuman, better than 50 points in the closeout game last year. So I do believe, as much as the NBA has radically changed because of the dominance of the three-point shot, when you get to the playoffs with more defensive intensity allowed and the officials letting it go, understanding that and making those adjustments 
can be pivotal. So advantage Warriors clearly six final in eight years. And I think with the game on the line, I have more confidence in the Warriors options to knock down a big shot. Although in fairness, Tatum did have a couple buckets late that he needed because he had disappeared for a while in the second half. And that's the pushback against Tatum before you anoint him as a true superstar. I need to see more consistency in high-level leverage situations. But if the Warriors get in the jam, it's not just Steph. And thankfully, from their perspective, Clay Thompson finally rounding into shape, still not 100%. And that's completely understandable, given the severity of the injuries that sidelined him the last two years. Jordan Poole coming up big. Andrew Wiggins showing why he was the number one overall pick. Wound up in Minnesota, exiled to the darkest regions of the NBA where nothing good had happened forever comes over to the Warriors, and he is an all-star this year. And while Draymond Green is largely one-dimensional, he's got the belief to take a big shot. So I say Warriors in six. And a couple quick thoughts now on a guy who will be enjoying the NBA Finals the way you and I are, probably from a more exotic location, certainly from a much better living situation than my one-bedroom apartment here in wonderful Southern California. I'm talking Kevin Durant because if we're just recapping mentally, the Warriors runs through these finals. 2015, they win it all. Steph was not the MVP. Remember, Steph has never been a finals MVP. It was Andre Iguodala who got it done. 2016, the collapse from 3-1 to watching Kyrie Irving step up in Game 7. And Draymond Green not helping matters because he couldn't control his body nor his emotions. And he picked up the second flagrant and got suspended in the midst of that 3-1 lead going away. Durant shows up and the Warriors become even more of a juggernaut. So I just wonder in a private moment what Durant thinks about his decision now. And I think a lot of it came down to basic, almost biblical attributes. Nobody wants to be yelled at. I know the commandments don't have one listing, thou shall not yell, but it's clear after the fact Durant just could not handle Draymond Green getting in his grill. And then secondly, I think there was a degree of envy. Durant wanted to prove he could do it without Steph Curry. And he wanted to prove he could do it on his terms with the stars of his choosing. Although, remember, he chose the Warriors. Go back to 2016 as he had that summit meeting in a mansion on the Hamptons, Long Island, New York. Teams coming to woo-woo-woo him. Warriors showed up, most of their key players, and he signed on. But I think there was ego behind Kevin Durant saying, okay, I've achieved this with the Warriors. I can do more. And if not more, I can do it my way. Old Blue Eyes, written by Paul Anka. So just think about Kevin Durant as we're watching the finals starting on Thursday. No need for a bake sale. He's made even more money. There was a business foundation to what he did. He has been very successful in his investments and closer to the hub of activity in New York beyond everything happening in Northern California. But There's no way you can say he made the right decision. And I think the biggest blunder 
and this is something that's applicable to all of us in life, choose your friends wisely. Because KD bet on Kyrie Irving. How's that working out so far? Warriors have a shot at our favor to win another title. Kevin Durant, one and done in the postseason this year. And questions about Kyrie's future in Brooklyn. 1-844-204-RICH. Hit me up on Twitter. That's B.W. Weber. Weber with two Bs. In 20 minutes, we talk baseball with Scott Miller of the New York Times. Straight ahead, I saved it for the final hour because I wanted to reward myself. We're going to get into the greatest disputes in the history of Major League Baseball over the dumbest possible reason. Would you get in a fight over the fantasy football waiver wire? That's on the way. I'm Brian Weber. In for Rich, it's the Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of year, people. Spring has sprung, and that means spring cleaning, or at least... The partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code E-I-S-E-N. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. I'm Brian Weber, in for Rich Eisen. It's the Rich Eisen Show on this Memorial Day. Jot that number down. Rich is taking your phone calls tomorrow when he comes back from the long holiday weekend. 1-844-204-RICH. That's 1-844-204-7424. You can get at me on Twitter. Be nice. I got enough insecurity. I'm just a fill-in guy. My Twitter handle is B.W. Weber. Weber with two Bs. Coming up in 15 minutes, we'll wrap it up with Gusto. Third and final guest. We didn't go with 19 guests today. There was a ton of content, and I have saved the best for last. Believe me, stay with me. 
after the forward promotion. In 15 minutes, we talk baseball at the quarter pole. Memorial Day, always a good chance to gauge where things stand in the midst of that long slog that is 162 games in the regular season in the bigs. Looking forward to checking in with Scott Miller of the New York Times. One of the responsibilities of being a fill-in host is don't destroy the brand that the host has worked so hard to achieve. Secondly, and I will, since I've been dropping some movie nuggets, and I think Rich would approve because nobody comes up with the confluence, not the three rivers, but the combination of sports and entertainment better than Rich Eisen. Layer Cake is one of my favorite movies. Daniel Craig, before he became James Bond, British film. Yes, I'm just that sophisticated. In fact, Craig was so good that caught the attention of the Broccoli family who owned the rights to James Bond. And next thing you know, he's 007 till he walks away. There's a line in that movie about the underworld in the UK, about the key to surviving in business. You got to be a good middleman. And as a fill-in host, that's your role as well. Be a middleman between the audience and the marquee name like Rich Eisen, who's built an empire. But don't do too much. Don't undermine what the host is going to do when he comes back tomorrow. So I have not been in contact with Rich. We've not spoken since I left NFL Network nine years ago, but we've had correspondence, and I greatly appreciate his support and his willingness to allow me to come in anytime that he needs a day off. But I know Rich, and I also know television production. And I just want to say thank you to primarily Jock Peterson, but also Tommy Pham, because without the slap, there's nothing that came afterwards. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, and I can understand that, It is a holiday weekend, and this is one of the strangest stories that comes to mind. And look, I mentioned weird baseball injuries because this incident, prior to a game between the woeful, abysmal Cincinnati Reds and the San Francisco Giants on Friday, all came down to a dispute involving fantasy football. And I was riffing in the last hour of the show, and thank goodness the internet exists. Now, when I started a million years ago, My monkey trick was, because I had no life and there was nothing to do, I remember we got cable 1983, and I thought my head was going to explode. Wait a minute. We're going from nine channels, and one of them is UHF, to 30? I'm going to watch three times the TV. I'm not even good with math. But in a pre-internet world... With nothing else to do, I would memorize baseball lists. And baseball was my first love. I never wanted to be a baseball announcer. I found that tedious even as a kid. But I loved baseball because it's like life. It happens every day. It rewards your attention. If you're focused on it, if you're immersed in it, I'd love to be part of baseball on a daily basis as a member of the media now. I I miss those rhythms. But in the old days, if this... Tommy Pham, Jock Peterson incident had occurred, it would have been something you'd read about in the sporting news a week later. Now, thanks to technology, it enhances the story. So when Rich is back tomorrow, I'm sure they'll play the sound because Jock Peterson has maximized this thing 
and he's going to get some sort of fantasy football endorsement deal out of it. Or maybe I'm being too Machiavellian. But Jacques has been expansive, and he gave the media plenty of time after the game. Now, of course, after there's an incident in the outfield on Friday, and I was watching sports in there that night, and they didn't have the details, and I was up because I'm going to call French Open matches at 2 o'clock in the morning here in Los Angeles. They had the grainy video because Pham strolled over to Peterson in the outfield during batting practice and slapped him in the face. This is Will Smith and Chris Rock without the joke. And now, because you can blow up the video, you can take it frame by frame like the Sabruder film, you can see a very deliberate fam. He was not that animated. Walks up to Peterson and smacks him in the face. So let's pause there. What's with the smacking these days? Now, I guess, and let's be precise, I'm being a little bit loose with my verbiage, he slapped him. But in my mind, see, I'll take you back to the 80s. If my parents slapped me, they would just say, no, I smacked you upside the head because you had it coming. Shocking that I was a verbose young man. Hey, a smack was much better than what else was coming when you grew up in a household that believed in corporal punishment, but it's all good now. We're all friends 30 years later. So let's just be more precise with my verbiage. It was a slap delivered by Pham. He was pulled from the lineup, didn't play, subsequently suspended by Major League Baseball for three games. So you can watch the video. There's nothing foreshadowing the physical contact. But I guess if you're Pham, he had the presence of mind. Maybe Will Smith did as well. If you throw a punch, and I'm talking from no experience, the last kerfuffle, since I'm addicted to that word today, I was involved with came in the eighth grade. So I'm not big into fighting. I talk a lot, but surprisingly, I'm still pretty fast getting away from any confrontation. If you're going to hit somebody, don't punch them. Because if you punch them, especially somebody that's unsuspecting, there's the possibility of real damage. We're talking eye socket. We're talking nose. We're talking teeth. And beyond then, a much more severe suspension then you're looking at a lawsuit and all the other repercussions. So while fam, and I remember the name because I'm not overlooking baseball. I don't talk it when I'm lucky enough to be on the radio because I want you to stick around. And I'm not just bashing baseball. Look, I booked Scott Miller coming up in 10 minutes because I know there's a portion of the audience that still cares about baseball. It's an $11 billion industry. It just does not translate nationally anymore because if I'm talking baseball and I give you a takeaway on a team, your pushback's going to be, okay, call me in September. But if I could talk about a fantasy football fight, I should have opened the show with this. I was neglectful in my duties as a fill-in host to spend so much time on the NBA Finals and a thrilling Game 7 conclusion last night in Miami. Because I knew Tommy Pham's name, unfortunately, because I'm not making light of it, that's why I knew him when he played for the Padres. I'm based in Southern California. Padres and Dodgers have had a spicier rivalry in recent years because San Diego's finally relevant. Tommy Pham was unfortunately stabbed outside of a gentleman's club in Southern California. So I knew the name. I'm not connecting the two, but I knew who Tommy Pham was. Jock Peterson, part of the Dodger team that made it to the World Series and finally won. And that's the key part of the timeline. Because after the game, 
Jock Peterson in a very low-key, chill, almost seemed like he was doing a bit, but that's who Jock is, said, yeah, it was over a dispute connected to fantasy football. That Jock and Tommy were part of a league with other major league players, and there was some misunderstanding I'll be open-minded, or I could be a little bit more strategic and say there was an accusation that Jacques had been stashing players on the IR, and we know that is taboo in the high-stakes world of fantasy football. And that's the other key, because after Jacques spoke without a pause for the better part of two and a half minutes on Friday after the game, laying out that there had been a dispute about this fantasy football transaction and fam's inability to pick up a player on the waiver wire. There was more on Saturday when Peterson came back and said, yeah, there was a lot of money involved in our league. Well, that's not unusual. Think about your dopey fantasy football league and all the money you throw out there. These guys are millionaires. But to raise the stakes, fam finally spoke in a much more defiant tone because that seems to be his approach. And he said not only was it about a lack of following the rules in that fantasy football league, but Jock Peterson had the temerity to pile on in the midst of a group text, sending an emoji that was disrespectful to his old team, the Padres. And here's why Jock Peterson is now my new favorite athlete in all of sports. Jock took out his phone as the reporters are going back and forth between the clubhouses in Cincinnati and showed the emoji. And it was some kind of orangutan. I don't know. I don't speak a roji. So what are the takeaways here? Well, first of all, I'll get back to what I said earlier. What's with slapping? Is this somehow influenced by Will Smith? Will Will Smith get a sense of humor and go on social media to try to endear himself to people who were rightfully, and I'm part of this camp, disgusted by what he did with Chris Rock, I understand you are poking fun at a spouse, but it was a joke on national and global TV. Lighten up, Will. So that was one thought. And the other thought would be, and we won't do it because the show's winding down and I'm merely the fill-in host, what in your world could happen that you would think would rise to the level of a slap? And if I was a more skilled host, I would have opened the program with this, forgot about the NBA Finals, and bang calls for three hours. But just think about it. As you spend the rest of this holiday getting ready to go back to work tomorrow, and hopefully you're not going to slap anybody there, what would have to happen in your daily life to raise to the threshold of, okay, here come the five fingers? Is this a sign that we now have move beyond even the world of talking, and I realize it's different in Major League Baseball, and nobody was arrested, nobody passed away, and we're talking about the testosterone of guys in their 20s, and Tommy Pham, for lack of a better term, runs hot. But my goodness, I have so many more questions. I can't wait for the 30 for 30, taking us in more granular detail. And finally, can you imagine... If these guys had played in a keeper league and there had been this waiver wire controversy, what would Tommy Pham have done then? We're talking about Jock Peterson in a body bag? Inquiring minds want to know. 
Well, thankfully, I have a baseball journalist coming up, so I'll throw that question in a much more focused manner. The direction of our final guest is going to join us straight ahead, Scott Miller, longtime baseball scribe. Now contributing to the New York Times, you hear him on Sirius XM Radio. We'll get his thoughts on this strange development, all about fantasy football. Maybe I'll ask Scott. Scott, what would have to happen in your life for you to feel comfortable smacking another human being? See, I did it again. I've been well-conditioned by my parents. Slapping. And we'll focus on matters on the field. Can anything other than health issues derail the mighty New York Yankees? I am Brian Weber having a great time as always in for Rich on this Memorial Day. It's the Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Final segment on this Memorial Day show. I'm Brian Weber in for Rich Eisen. It is the Rich Eisen Show. Rich, back with you tomorrow. You want to continue our conversation after the program on social media. You can hit me up on Twitter. It's B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. Let's wrap it up with Gusto talking baseball at the quarter pole of the season with an old friend, always insightful observer of the game. It's Scott Miller, contributor to New York Times, Co-author of the outstanding book, it would be a fine Father's Day gift. 90% mental. You also hear him on Sirius XM Radio. Scott, thanks for taking the time. How are you? Real good, Brian. Uh, how about yourself? I hope you and everybody's enjoying a holiday weekend. I am, and I always enjoy talking baseball. It gets me back to my broadcast roots. I get nostalgic thinking about the grand old game on Memorial Day. And Scott, like you, you're immersed in every day. I'm fancy myself a bit of a baseball historian. So when I think about weird developments in baseball, let's go early 70s. Yankees, right? You had the pitchers, Mike Kekich and Fritz Peterson trading families. That was weird. 
wives and their kids swapping homes. So where yep. do you rank? What happened in Cincinnati before the game Friday with Tommy Pham of the Reds slapping Jock Peterson of the Giants during batting practice over a fantasy football disagreement? Yeah, how bizarre was that, uh, Brian? And, and and Tommy Pham ends up with a three-game suspension. Um, yeah, it, it, it. I don't know if I quite rank it. I love that you brought up, by the way, Mike Kekich and Chris <laughs> Peterson trading families. Um, that worked out well for one side. Right, right. The and they made a movie of it, too, Scott, so casual fans got the vibe. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I, I think that's still got to be among the weirdest things ever. But, uh, yeah, I mean, who knew? Uh, maybe people across the country that play fantasy sports, uh, so many people are into it. And I mean, maybe there's some people out there that are shaking their heads in, in agreement saying, yeah, man, my fantasy league is serious and I can totally <laughs> understand Tommy Pham going up and whapping Jock Peterson. But uh, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, um, uh, you know, it, it's part of that tapestry of life where every day we we move ahead and we don't we we have chances to see things we never could have dreamed of. I mean, I don't know if a fiction writer would have written <laughs> about one major league player going after another on the opposing team during batting practice before the game uh, because they had a disagreement two years ago, by the way, right. on fantasy football. Yeah, and oh, by the way, Jock Peterson was in the World Series, right? So he should have been spending more time on his fantasy football roster, I guess. That's the opinion of Tommy Pham. We're talking baseball with Scott Miller, New York Times, Sirius XM Radio. Scott, let's move to something a little bit more serious and thoughtful involving the Giants. Their manager, Gabe Kapler, wrote, I thought, what was a very articulate blog post. And we know Gabe is a insightful, well-spoken person explaining why at this moment, he no longer feels comfortable being on the field for the National Anthem and plans to stay in the clubhouse after that tragic mass shooting last week in Texas. Gabe also, though, aware of the significance of Memorial Day, saying he might modify things today in Philadelphia. Overall, how do you think Kapler's decision compares to what Colin Kaepernick chose to do in the NFL? Yeah, it, it's. I think we live in troubled, troubled times in this country. I, I think whatever side of the political aisle you're on, I think probably that's something most people could agree on, that that, um, that there, there's a lot of discord and, and uh, disagreements and, and way too much hate in the world today. And different people have different ways of dealing with it. So many believe that we need things need to be done. There needs to be change. Um, and I think Colin Kaepernick, the thing that I think was misunderstood by him, it's real quick to do a knee jerk reaction and, and paint him as unpatriotic. But I think it's important to stand to, to remember that Colin Kaepernick first, he sat for the national right. anthem. Then he changed it to kneeling and he changed it after thoughtfully and carefully uh, consulting uh, retired a green beret and former NFL player. So, you know, where, I mean, say what you want about Kaepernick, but it wasn't a quick knee jerk, thoughtless gesture. I mean, he consulted with a military member 
Um, Gabe Kapler, all these years later, uh, measured blog post and saying, yes, he, he doesn't like the direction of our country and he feels hypocritical to just go mindlessly stand out there for the national anthem and the all of these moments of silence, which I would hope we can all agree there are way too many moments of silence today. I mean, it's the shooting in Buffalo, the shooting in Texas. And I mean, things need to change. Things need to be done. I respect people that, whether they're athletes or in, you know, private life that make thoughtful gestures and whether it's thoughtful protests or whether they do some things for change. And by the way, Kapler in his latest blog post, he said that he will stand for the national anthem on Memorial day, right. understanding Memorial day is a little different than other days. And he said, he'll donate to two organizations devoted to veteran health and to ending gun violence. So Kapler's thoughtfulness whether you agree or disagree with what he said the other day and what he's doing, the thoughtfulness continues. Well said. Talking baseball with one of the best in the business, Scott Miller, contributing to New York Times. Check him out, Sirius XM Radio, other platforms. Let's shift to matters on the field. Yankees off to a strong start. This looks like a complete team, Scott. We know there are no perfect teams in baseball, and things have ups and downs over the course of 162. Other than the Yankees having too many names on the injured list, do you see any major flaws on this team? No, I mean, uh, you know, the, the probably the biggest surprise is the pitching. They're getting really good pitching. I mean, you know, who would have thought two months ago that, uh, you know, Cortez would be stepping up and doing what he's doing? That, that's been a phenomenal story. Um, you know, but that's part of the fun of the game and the season, right? I mean, all, all winter long, you know, we watch, well, other than the lockout last year, but normally, you know, we watch all these teams put together their rosters. We look at it on paper and we make our evaluations and then the season starts. And usually the season shows us that even if we think we're very knowledgeable and smart about baseball, it shows us we're wrong on many different occasions. (laughs) (laughs) It continually does. And Nestor Cortez has been, a wonderful addition. Garrett Cole hasn't been as good as uh, hoped. He's been a little better lately. You know, Luis Severino needs to round into form. But I, this Yankees team, I like it. I like the the shuffling with the roster Brian Cashman did. Isaiah Kiner, Falefa, and Josh Donaldson on the left side of the infield. Um, especially Kiner, Falefa, uh, you know, catcher Jose Trevino. What they've done is is they still have too many strikeouts in their lineup, I, I think. Brian, which in October tends to get the teams. Um, but Judge is having a phenomenal year, and they have mixed in some guys with good on-base percentages here, like Kiner Falefa, um, as opposed to I thought the last few years they didn't have enough contact guys in their lineup, and they couldn't get guys on base. So they were getting solo homers and a lot of strikeouts. This is a more well-rounded team. I think they, they're in it for the long haul. This is the best Yankees team I feel in the last five or six years. Scott, looking for a answer in 60 seconds. You know the radio business. Yep. Irrespective of lease situations and league politics, how long will it take for the A's to wind up in Las Vegas? Yeah, I mean, that seems inevitable, doesn't it? Um, it there's so much tradition at Oakland. I mean, I, I really hate to see things like that happen, but Oakland has been unable to get – 
financing for a new stadium uh, for about the last 20 years or more. And it, it, things don't look good now. And they've had a nice small contingent of fans, you know, even as much as they get ripped for no attendance, you know, they've had 12, 13, 15,000 fans. And that's even shrunk. Now, even the lo- the loyalists are frustrated. So I don't, no, it seems like we're reaching a point of push coming to shove real soon, Brian. Terrific thoughts, and you did it in 60 seconds. Scott, always enjoy the conversation. Memorial Day means the start of summer, and I start filling in a lot. So keep your phone on. I look forward to talking a lot more baseball with you in the coming weeks. I will count on that, Brian. You take care, everybody listening. Have a great holiday, and we'll talk soon. You too. Scott Miller, terrific. I love Scott's voice. I'm going to tell Scott next time I chat with him off the air, he should be doing baseball play-by-play. He sounds like baseball and has phenomenal knowledge. One of three guests want to thank them. Hopefully I didn't overwhelm you with outside voices. NBA talk in the first hour of the program, courtesy of Eric Pincus of Bleacher Report, hour number two. More NBA analysis from Kurt Heelan, lead basketball writer for NBCSports.com. Scott Miller just joined us talking baseball from the New York Times. Rich is back tomorrow. I'll talk to you down the road. In my remaining minute, I don't tell you what to watch, but many of us love sports because we appreciate excellence. If you go to my Twitter bio, you'll see a tennis connection. Tomorrow, Djokovic, Nadal on clay in Roland Garros, both 35 years old. Don't know how many more times we're going to see it on the Terra Batu in Paris, where Nadal's the king of clay, but dealing with a foot injury. So... If you're looking for something to watch tomorrow, check it out. You'll be watching Rich on Peacock. You'll be listening to the program as well. Want to thank Mr. Eisen for allowing me to fill in once more. Always enjoy this opportunity. All the great people at Westwood One, like Bruce Gilbert, Jack Silver, our technical producer, Art Martinez, skillfully leading the program as well. Rich is back tomorrow. I'm Brian Weber. We'll talk to you next time on The Rich Eisen Show.